Chapter 18 of The Art of Money Getting. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jill Preston. The Art of Money Getting by P.T. Barnum. Chapter 18 Be Charitable. Of course men should be charitable, because it is a duty and a pleasure. But even as a matter of policy, if you possess no higher incentive, you will find that the liberal man will command patronage, while the sordid, uncharitable miser will be avoided. Solomon says, There is that scattereth, and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than meat, but it tendeth to poverty. Of course the only true charity is that which is from the heart. The best kind of charity is to help those who are willing to help themselves. Promiscuous almsgiving, without inquiring into the worthiness of the applicant, is bad in every sense. But to search out and quietly assist those who are struggling for themselves is the kind that scattereth and yet increaseth. But don't fall into the idea that some person's practice of giving a prayer instead of a potato and a benediction instead of bread to the hungry it is easier to make Christians with full stomachs than empty. End of chapter 18. Recording by Jill Preston. Demi Yummies, I'm hitting. Nice. Washing no butter rim. Will fix pump additive is on my Tim's. Coconut oil strain with the chef. I'm removing the chance of the stems. Hit the corner, might bend the rim. Oh man, vehicles is what I can't stand. Rather be dripping or at least a sprinter van. Executing plans and I'm never popping zans. Might melt down this can to play white gold through your brush plates. Haters don't understand, not in the slightest sort of paint. Wait, no need to even continue from the Deal on things with the Linux, and I be in it always to win it. My account is split it thin, vimic cloud processors with few limits. Delivery dropped at the dough, but the rubber blow might go. Who is it? Torn fabric, still might rip it. CPU crypto with computer pimping. Never slipping, pay attention. You didn't listen, cause there's nothing I forgot to mention. Oh, okay, okay. Check the M2 money supply. 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 Preface of Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mirendo07. Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 2 by Niccolo Machiavelli. Translated by Ninian Hill Thompson. Preface. Men do always, but not always with reason, commend the past and condemn the present, and are so much the partisans of what has been, as not merely to cry up those times which are known to them only from the records left by historians, but also, when they grow old, to extol the days in which they remember their youth to have been spent. 
And although this preference of theirs be in most instances a mistaken one, I can see that there are many causes to account for it, chief of which I take to be that in respect of things long gone by, we perceive not the whole truth, those circumstances that would detract from the credit of the past being for the most part hidden from us, while all that gives it luster is magnified and embellished. For the generality of writers render this tribute to the good fortune of conquerors, that to make their achievements seem more splendid, they not merely exaggerate the great things they have done, but also lend such a color to the actions of their enemies, that anyone born afterwards, whether in the conquering or in the conquered country, has cause to marvel at these men and these times, and is constrained to praise and love them beyond all others. Again, men being to hatred either by fear or envy, these two most powerful causes of dislike are cancelled in respect of things which are past, because what is past can neither do us hurt nor afford occasion for envy. The contrary, however, is the case with the things we see and in which we take part, for in these, from our complete acquaintance with them, no part of them being hidden from us, we recognize, along with much that is good, much that displeases us, and so are forced to pronounce them far inferior to the old, although in truth they deserve far greater praise and admiration. I speak not here of what relates to the arts, which have such distinction inherent in them, that time can give or take from them but little of the glory which they merit of themselves. I speak of the life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Moira Fogarty. The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Translated by Lionel Giles. Part 12. The Attack by Fire. Sun Tzu said, There are five ways of attacking with fire. The first is to burn soldiers in their camp. The second is to burn stores. The third is to burn baggage trains. The fourth is to burn arsenals and magazines. The fifth is to hurl dropping fire amongst the enemy. In order to carry out an attack, we must have means available. The material for raising fire should always be kept in readiness. There is a proper season for making attacks with fire, and special days for starting a conflagration. The proper season is when the weather is very dry. The special days are those when the moon is in the constellations of the sea, the wall, the wing, or the crossbar, for these four are all days of rising wind. In attacking with fire, one should be prepared to meet five possible developments. One, when fire breaks out inside to enemy's camp, respond at once with an attack from without. Two, if there is an outbreak of fire, but the enemy soldiers remain quiet, bide your time and do not attack. 3. When the force of the flames has reached its height, follow it up with an attack, if that is practical. If not, stay where you are. 4. If it is possible to make an assault with fire from without, do not wait for it to break out within, but deliver your attack at a favorable moment. 5. When you start a fire, be to windward of it. Do not attack from the leeward. A wind that rises in the daytime lasts long, but a night breeze soon falls. 
In every army, the five developments connected with fire must be known, the movements of the stars calculated, and a watch kept for the proper days. Hence, those who use fire as an aid to the attack show intelligence. Those who use water as an aid to the attack gain an accession of strength. By means of water, an enemy may be intercepted, but not robbed of all his belongings. Chapter 5 of Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 2, by Niccolo Machiavelli. Translated by Ninian Hill Thompson. Chapter 5 That changes in sects and tongues, and the happening of floods and pestilences, obliterate the memory of the past. To those philosophers who will have it that the world has existed from all eternity, it were, I think, a good answer, that if what they say be true, we ought to have record of a longer period than 5,000 years. Did it not appear that the memory of past times is blotted out by a variety of causes, some reparable to men, and some to heaven? Among the causes which have a human origin are the changes in sects and tongues. Because when a new sect, that is to say a new religion, comes up, its first endeavour, in order to give itself reputation, is to efface the old. And should it so happen, founders of the new religion speak another tongue, this may readily be effected. This we know from observing the methods which Christianity has followed in dealing with the religion of the Gentiles, for we find that it has abolished all the rites and ordinances of that worship, and obliterated every trace of the ancient belief. True, it has not succeeded in utterly blotting out our knowledge of things done by the famous men who held that belief. And this because the propagators of the new faith, retaining the Latin tongue, were constrained to use it in writing the new law. For could they have written this in a new tongue, we may infer, having regard to their other persecutions, that no record whatever would have survived to us of past events. For anyone who reads of the methods followed by St. Gregory and the other heads of the Christian religion will perceive with what animosity they pursued all ancient memorials, burning the... Extract the text on them and write it to another file. Write it to another file. Extract the text of them and write it to another file. Extract the text. Extract it. Yeah. through the milestones. Yeah. Look the network. X shortest path flow. Waited on the booker sent for the note that's next. Open up bottlenecks with the scrum. Got to move it through. Still feeling numb. Make your haters feel dumb. But who cares? If you prepare, you can be aware, so never mind the busters over there, let them stare, but cause they can't compete or compare, since going in since back then, 
Now they really wanna start to care But only cause I never left Smoothly in the cut Got it sewed up like a web Super tight shut Blow coated then steel In the field Sharper than some knives I'm a whammer Not a scammer F in tag I Files on your camera They got steganography On the app But what's the haps You can pinpoint the trap Custom Kenya mail To the Google Maps VJ Colin W Space Found Name 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 DJ Colin W Space Wild Name DJ Colin W Space Wild Name Doing what I do ain't stunting yours Solo dolo what I choose to do On my own accord Haters mad cause that b-board Teaching flows on binge you Thought you couldn't afford Man it happens with the plans From sprinting in advance On burn down Panda charge to a plant Python pill and it's making art No need to have to always restart In chess only 10% of the time The adversary is checked Made it so bro check this 60% of the time someone's gonna quit so what you mean, dawg? Man, I gotta keep going, gripping through the fucking logs. On the ID yet, it's a pen test, it's a pen test. Moving through the windows of command lines, that's color purple. Remember when it wasn't cool to be Urkel? These haters bitch, they know they be troubles. I've been mixing up my own team, but the memory is Ride it to another file. Extract the text from them and write it to another file. Extract the text. Extract it. Ah, yeah. Oh, keep it more green than the goblin solo dolo. Groceries are delivered, so send assistant shopping. See me smoothly, a sucker could never be. So we leave the adversaries fold up, got the game sold up like we. What I need is a M, double E T I N G R double O M. Master groupies be like, man, I know him, but I'd rather be low key like the L E F T S I D E of the piano. The sucker feels Yo, I might call a Uber Comfort or I might swing through the train Doing big things while these lousy losers sit and complain Ain't it a shame how these haters don't change Remember when I used to want to flip a rover in the range But I moved on to better things But you know me, I might still practice at the range I got a grasp on the work, moving things back and forth, that's work Yeah, a hater couldn't, wouldn't know what I mean Cause they too slow, smoothly, I was all about speed Smoothly, I keep the wham, everything that you need Gunja blowing, growing on seeds Oh, sell Price you can't beat it. It's TAC, dog. Trading Forex, Bollinger, Vance is on my screen, 89, period, ATR. I'm running through your goals and they say I went too far. See, I don't play about the way that I increase my pay. And any day I can turn your sunny noon to rain. So stay mundane, I'm getting paid for mitigating risk from haters kill change. It's in map scan all your IP range. Ah, uh, 
keep you on your toes, but I bet you won't swing. P and C get residuals from people when it's time to ride. So I'ma stay up in your face when you see me. It's time to decide. Should I buy a plaza or should I let it ride? I don't know, dog, but it's mad land outside. Already could afford it, but the question is, do I wanna end hole in the petrified forest? Keep the money flows, and you know they in orbit. TV screens fall in the Uber watching Norbert. Don't interrupt me, especially when I'm recording smoothly. Barely ever, ever, ever rocking Jordans, doing things that I feel be way more important. Google me, see me. My name is always corporate. Saw the 10 cube, bought the dead holders and absorbed it. Whoa. Chance of the stems hit the corner, might bend the rim. Oh man, vehicles is what I can't stand. Rather be driven or at least a sprinter van. Executed plans, and I'm never popping Zans. Might melt down this can to play white gold via brush plates. Haters don't understand, not in the slightest or faint. Wait, no need to even continue. Find a deal on these with the Linux, and I be in it always to win it. My account is split it thin, Vimic cloud processors with few limits to deliver. Dropped at the dough, but the rubber blow might go. Who is it? Torn fabric, still might rip it. CPU crypto with the computer pimping. Never slip it, pay attention. You didn't listen, cause there's nothing I forgot to mention. Oh, okay, okay. Check the M2 money supply. 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 Check the M2 money supply.
purchase. Do the 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 purchase. Chapter 9 of Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 2, by Niccolo Machiavelli. Translated by Ninian Hill Thompson. Chapter 9. Of the causes which commonly give rise to wars between states. The occasion which led to war between the Romans and Samnites, who for long had been in league with one another, is of common occurrence in all powerful states, being either brought about by accident, or else purposely contrived by someone who would set war afoot. As between the Romans and the Samnites, the occasion of war was accidental. For in making war upon the Sidicinians and afterwards on the Campanians, the Samnites had no thought of involving themselves with the Romans. But the Campanians being overpowered, and contrary to the expectation of Romans and Samnites alike, resorting to Rome for aid, the Romans, on whose protection they threw themselves, were forced to succour them as dependents, and to accept a war which, it seemed to them, they could not with honour decline. For though they might have thought it unreasonable to be called on to defend the Campanians as friends against their own friends, the Samnites, it seemed to them shameful not to defend them as subjects, or as a people who had placed themselves under their protection. For they reasoned that to decline their defence close the gate against all others who at any future time might desire to submit themselves to their power. And, accordingly, since glory and empire, and not peace, were the ends which they always had in view, it became impossible for them to refuse this protectorship. A similar circumstance gave rise to the first war with the Carthaginians, namely, the protectorate assumed by the Romans of the citizens of Messina in Sicily, and this likewise came about by chance. But the second war with... This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Moira Fogarty. The Art of War by Sun Tzu Translated by Lionel Giles Part 12 The Attack by Fire Sun Tzu said, There are five ways of attacking with fire. The first is to burn soldiers in their camp. The second is to burn stores. The third is to burn baggage trains. The fourth is to burn arsenals and magazines. The fifth is to hurl dropping fire amongst the enemy. In order to carry out an attack, we must have means available. The material for raising fire should always be kept in readiness. 
There is a proper season for making attacks with fire, and special days for starting a conflagration. The proper season is when the weather is very dry. The special days are those when the moon is in the constellations of the sieve, the wall, the wing, or the crossbar, for these four are all days of rising wind. In attacking with fire, one should be prepared to meet five possible developments. One, when fire breaks out inside to enemy's camp, respond at once with an attack from without. Two, if there is an outbreak of fire, but the enemy's soldiers remain quiet, bide your time and do not attack. Three, when the force of the flames has reached its height, follow it up with an attack, if that is practical. If not, stay where you are. Four, if it is possible to make an assault with fire from without, do not wait for it to break out within, but deliver your attack at a favorable moment. Five, when you start a fire, be to windward of it. Do not attack from the leeward. A wind that rises in the daytime lasts long, but a night breeze soon falls. In every army, the five developments connected with fire must be known, the movements of the stars calculated, and a watch kept for the proper days. Hence, those who use fire as an aid to the attack show intelligence. Those who use water as an aid to the attack gain an accession of strength. By means of water, an enemy may be intercepted, but not robbed of all his belongings. Overtime, gotta get it in, all about the dividends What these perpetrators gonna do, you know they pretend As I let the filter knowledge seep in I'm up doing food journal entries overnight through the weekend Realize that the business comes with the crown But forget all of the villages Focus on controlling multiple crowds I make connections, avoiding frauds, who be flexing I advise you to do the same If only for your protection Pull up, pull up Tropic tincture reducing all of distractions Spinning an operator system up exquisite fashion Making compound transactions Could care less if a naysayer oh. reaction Chillin' relaxes from spirit swag on boot one two keyboard fashion Never lacking SSH back in via docker containers on my CLI Doing hard pipe through the XR Smoothly designing plated jewelry through a contact lens Put less on the end Cause the women through the space bar Call the Q1 liners on the Okay. FC increase my trade line, now I ride Lemurs whenever, I'm just serving drives Then the personal okay. assistant, CPU pimping Get computers to bring me what I need, how I do it, dog I read 24-7, 360 degrees
Man, I hate waiting, gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate waiting, gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate waiting, gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate waiting, gotta build a credit line. Three cap bucket, make it fast and go trust it. Anybody try to go and play, go get busted. Rather converse over real subjects. Used to dream eating margarita wings in front of puppets. Oh. Yo, go so low so I get that fast, but still gotta build my team so that I can stay. Gotta wake up and I do it every day. Make a to-do list, print out with the cron. Whipping up great Poupon 6 hours after dawn. 20k unit for bricks, trade on, keeping more green than the lawn. I can rent a drop top anytime I want at leisure. Turn a raspberry pie into a movie theater. You don't like me, I don't like it either. Either striking markers when they lukewarm or keep it hot. Kinda like it's a new heater, making tinctures into liters, mixing up new tropics and some beakers. Where's the sounds coming from your speakers? Man, I hate waiting, Hitting haters with the ether. Man, I hate waiting, but I got it. Man, I hate waiting, gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate waiting, gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate waiting, gotta build a credit line. Three kick bucket, make it fast, then go trust it. Anybody try to go and play, go get busted. Rather converse over real subjects. Used to dream eating margarita wins in front of publics. Oh. Book 4 of The Art of War by Niccolo Machiavelli Translated by Henry Neville This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Clive Catterall Book 4 Luigi said, Since an engagement has been won so honourably under my rule, I think it is well if I do not tempt fortune further, knowing how changeable and unstable it is and therefore I desire to resign my speakership, and that, wanting to follow the order that belongs to the youngest, Zenobi now assume this office of questioning. And I know he will not refuse this honour, or we would rather say this hard work, as much in order to give pleasure as also because he is naturally more courageous than I. Nor should he be afraid to enter into these labours, where he can thus be overcome as he can overcome. Zenobi said, I intend to stay where you put me, even though I would more willingly stay to listen, because up to now I am more satisfied with your questions than those which occurred to me in listening to your discussions pleased me. But I believe it is well, lords, since you have time left, and of patience, we do not annoy you with these ceremonies of ours. Fabrizio said, Rather you give me pleasure, because this change of questions makes me know the various geniuses and your various desires. Is there anything remaining of the matter discussed which you think should be added? Zenobi said, There are two things I desire before we pass on to another part. The one is that you would show me if there is another form of organizing the army which may occur to you. The other, what considerations ought a captain have before going to battle? And if some accident should arise concerning it, what remedies can be made? Fabrizio said, I will make an effort to satisfy you. I will not reply to your questions in detail, for when I answer one, often it will also answer another. I have told you that I proposed a form for the army which should fill all the requirements according to the nature of the enemy and the site, because in this case one proceeds according to the site and the enemy. But note this, that there is no greater peril than to overextend the front of your army, unless you have a very large and very brave army. Otherwise, you have to make it rather wide and of short length, 
than of long length and very narrow. For when you have a small force compared to the enemy, you ought to seek other remedies. For Chapter 18 of The Art of Money Getting This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jill Preston The Art of Money Getting by P.T. Barnum Chapter 18 Be Charitable Of course men should be charitable, because it is a duty and a pleasure. But even as a matter of policy, if you possess no higher incentive, you will find that the liberal man will command patronage, while the sordid, uncharitable miser will be avoided. Solomon says, There is that scattereth, and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than meat, but it tendeth to poverty. Of course, the only true charity is that which is from the heart. The best kind of charity is to help those who are willing to help themselves. Promiscuous almsgiving, without inquiring into the worthiness of the applicant, is bad in every sense. But to search out and quietly assist those who are struggling for themselves is the kind that scattereth and yet increaseth. But don't fall into the idea that some person's practice of giving a prayer instead of a potato and a benediction instead of bread to the hungry. It is easier to make Christians with full stomachs than empty. End of chapter 18. Recording by Jill Preston. Chapter 8 of Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 2, by Niccolo Machiavelli. Translated by Ninian Hill Thompson. Chapter 8. Why Certain Nations Leave Their Ancestral Seats and Overflow the Countries of Others. Having spoken above of the methods followed by the Romans in making war, and related how the Etruscans were attacked by the Gauls, it seems to me not foreign to these topics to explain that of wars there are two kinds. One kind of war has its origin in the ambition of princes or republics who seek to extend their dominions. Such were the wars waged by Alexander the Great and by the Romans, and such are those which we see every day carried on by one potentate against another. Wars of this sort have their dangers, but do not utterly extirpate the inhabitants of a country. What the conqueror seeks being merely the submission of the conquered people who, generally speaking, he suffers to retain their laws and always their houses and goods. The other species of war is when an entire people, with all the families of which it is made up, being driven out by famine or defeat, removes from its former seat and goes in search of a new abode and a new country, not simply with the view to establish dominion over it, but to possess it as its own, and to expel or exterminate the former inhabitants. Of this most terrible and cruel species of warfare, Sallust speaks at the end of his history of the war with Jugurtha, 
where in mentioning that after the defeat of Jugurtha, the movement of the Gauls into Italy began to be noticed, he observes that in the wars of the Romans with other nations, the struggle was for mastery, but that always in their wars with the Gauls, the struggle on both sides was for life. For a prince or commonwealth, when attacking another state, will be content to rid themselves. Yo, yo, pay that go on the rise. Let me consult for a fee every time you see the logo. It's on the billboard. Notice me now. Look at you. How you say I'm doing wrong? Smoothly making moving songs. Doing what I gotta do. Oh, oh, yo. Just cause I wouldn't work with you, you might have a little attitude. Could care less if you think I'm rude. Haters can't walk up in my shoes. You salty dog, stop dropping clues. I've been a man. How you let someone else's story mess up your plan? Smoothly, been the man. Who is him? On them, grabbing automated business plans. Off the top, being ready, dropping files. Split tack L. Need advice from me, then it's time to pay the fee. If you need advice from me, then it's time to pay the fee. It's time to pay the fee. Time to. Time to pay the fee. Time to pay the fee. Uh. Time to pay the fee. It's just time to pay the fee. Yeah. Time to pay the fee. Hey, hey. Time to pay the fee. Hey, hey. Time to pay the fee. Hey, hey. Time to pay the fee. Hey, time to pay the fee. It's just time to pay the fee. It's just time to pay the fee. Time to time to pay the fee. Part 3 of Chapter 11 of Book 1 of The Wealth of Nations. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stephen Escalera. The Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith. Part 3 of Chapter 11 of Book 1 of The Rent of Land. Digression concerning the variations in the value of silver during the course of the four last centuries. First period. In 1350, and for some time before, the average price of the quarter of wheat in England seems not to have been estimated lower than four ounces of silver, tower weight, equal to about twenty shillings of our present money. From this price it seems to have fallen gradually to two ounces of silver, equal to about ten shillings of our present money, the price at which we find it estimated in the beginning of the sixteenth century, and at which it seems to have continued to be estimated till about 1570. In 1350, being the twenty-fifth of Edward III, was enacted what is called the Statute of Laborers. In the preamble, it complains much of the insolence of servants who endeavored to raise their wages upon their masters. It therefore ordains that all servants and laborers should, for the future, be contented with the same wages and liveries. Liveries in those times signified not only clothes, but provisions, which they had been accustomed to receive in the twentieth year of the king and the four preceding years. That, upon this account, their livery wheat should nowhere be estimated higher than ten pence a bushel, and that it should always be in the option of the master to deliver them either the wheat or the money. Ten pence a bushel, therefore, had, in the twenty-fifth of Edward III, been reckoned to a very moderate price of wheat, since it required a particular statute to oblige servants to accept of it in exchange for their usual livery of provisions and it had been reckoned a reasonable price ten years before that, or in the sixteenth year of the king, the term to which the statute refers. But in the sixteenth year of Edward III, ten pence contained about half an ounce of silver, tower weight, and was nearly equal to half a crown of our present money. 
four ounces of silver, tower weight, therefore, equal to six shillings and eight pence of the money of those times, and to near twenty shillings of that of the present, must have been reckoned a moderate price for the quarter of eight bushels. This statute is surely a better evidence of what was reckoned, in those times, a moderate price of grain. Part 1 of Chapter 10 of Book 1 of The Wealth of Nations This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stephen Escalera. The Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith. Part 1 of Chapter 10 of Book 1 of Wages and Profit in the Different Employments of Labor and Stock. The whole of the advantages and disadvantages of the different employments of labor and stock must, in the same neighborhood, be either perfectly equal or continually tending to equality. If, in the same neighborhood, there was any employment evidently either more or less advantageous than the rest, so many people would crowd into it in the one case, and so many would desert it in the other, that its advantages would soon return to the level of other employments. This, at least, would be the case in a society where things were left to follow their natural course, where there was perfect liberty, and where every man was perfectly free both to choose what occupation he thought proper, and to change it as often as he thought proper. Every man's interest would prompt him to seek the advantageous, and to shun the disadvantageous employment. Pecuniary wages and profit, indeed, are everywhere in Europe extremely different, according to the different employments of labor and stock. But this difference arises partly from certain circumstances in the employments themselves, which, either really, or at least in the imagination of men, make up for a small pecuniary gain in some, and counterbalance a great one in others, and partly from the policy of Europe, which nowhere leaves things at perfect liberty. The particular consideration of those circumstances and of that policy will divide this chapter into two parts. Part 1. Inequalities arising from the nature of the employments themselves. The five following are the principal circumstances which, so far as I have been able to observe, make up for a small pecuniary gain in some employments, and counterbalance a great one in others. First, the agreeableness or disagreeableness of the employments themselves. Secondly, the easiness and cheapness, or the difficulty and expense of learning them. Thirdly, the constancy or inconstancy of employment in them. Fourthly, the small or great trust which must be reposed in those who exercise them, and fifthly, the probability or improbability of success in them. First, the wages of labor vary with the ease or hardship, the cleanliness or dirtiness, the honorableness or dishonorableness of the employment.
at the lane flow. Can't be tame, plan, change. But first, gotta enumerate the subdomains. Does it feel strange? The socket, that socket, so the antivirus won't detect. Logs won't reflect a speck of the change. Then it's kernel command frame. Missing maps and dot maps, fingerprinting lanes. The noisy hitting only lead to further exploitation. Pop a shell on vacation, SSH for reports. Through the other places. Through the other places. Book 2, Part 2 of The Art of War by Niccolo Machiavelli, translated by Henry Neville. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Clive Catterall. Book 2, Part 2. As to the teaching of the use of arms, they were trained in this way. They had the young men put on arms and armour which weighed more than twice that of the real ones, and as a sword they gave them a leaded club, which in comparison was very heavy. They made each one of them drive a pole into the ground, so that three arm lengths remained above ground, and so firmly fixed that blows would not drive it to one side or have it fall to the ground. Against this pole the young men were trained with the shield and the club as against an enemy. And sometimes they went at it as if they wanted to wound the head or the face, another time as if they wanted to puncture the flank, sometimes the legs, sometimes they drew back, another time they went forward. And in this training they had in mind making themselves adept at covering themselves and wounding the enemy. And since the feigned arms were very heavy, the real ones afterward seemed light. their soldiers to wound the enemy by the driving of a point against him, rather than by cutting or slashing, as much because such a blow was more fatal and had less defence against it, as also because it left less uncovered those who were wounding, making him more adept at repeating his attack than by slashing. Do you not wonder that those ancients should think of these minute details, for they reasoned that where men had to come hand to hand in battle little advantage is of the greatest importance. And I will remind you of that, because the writers say of this that I have taught it to you. Nor did the ancients esteem it a more fortunate thing in a republic than to have many of its men trained in arms. For it is not the splendour of jewels and gold that makes the enemy submit themselves to you, but only fear of arms. Moreover, errors made in other things can sometimes be corrected afterwards. But those that are made in war, as the punishment happens immediately, cannot be corrected. In addition to this, knowing how to fight makes men more audacious, as no one Chapter 19 of Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 2 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 2, Niccolo Machiavelli. Translation by Ninian Hill Thompson. Chapter 19 
that acquisitions made by ill-governed states and such as follow not the valiant methods of the romans tend rather to their ruin than to their aggrandizement to these false opinions founded on the pernicious example first set by the present corrupt age we owe it that no man thinks of departing from the methods which are in use it had been impossible for instance some thirty years ago to persuade an italian that ten thousand foot soldiers could on plain ground attack ten thousand cavalry together with an equal number of infantry and not merely attack but defeat them as we saw done by the swiss at that battle of novara to which i have already referred so often for although history abounds in similar examples none would have believed them or believing them would have said that nowadays men are so much better armed that a squadron of cavalry could shatter a rock to say nothing of a column of infantry with such false pleas would they have belied their judgment taking no account that with a very scant force of foot soldiers lucullus routed a hundred and fifty thousand of the cavalry of tigranus among whom were a body of horsemen very nearly resembling our own men-at-arms now however this error is demonstrated by the example of the northern nations and since what history teaches us as to the superiority of foot soldiers is thus proved to be true men ought likewise to believe that the other methods practised by the ancients are in like manner salutary and useful and were this once accepted both princes and commonwealths would make fewer blunders than they do would be stronger to resist sudden attack and would no longer place their sole hope of safety in flight while those who take perhaps i have such special needs yeah scummy pants esters wrecking clothes i wonder what was wrong the insurance that I know I need could surely be 50k surety for the trust BOP then we can skip a mission drop a gems and I really hope that you listen in getting faster with the mittens recording what I'm saying just so I'm not forgetting my mind is heavy with decisions with the China in connection to the lithium and palm deals haters brush me off say it sounds like a tall tale service rendered on mail in the packages deliver pull up on them make them shiver record clothes all up in November yeah you know me I've been the number one contender chopping up the CSVs like the blades of a blender bank Set the funding when the trust was getting notarized Never knowing what the breakfast is Men is so potent when I step out in a suit and tie Hey, to swear that it's a disguise Wise guys from the Santa Rosa Drive Shipping brothers all through Best I need a business operation policy I need some shirt I need a business operator policy 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 I need a business model
Social engine in my ammunition loaded from your trash BBM your bash your stash How long can this backdoor shell last? As long as I please Programming Python, puffin' pine trees Tracking shipping Russell crew in Belize Doing things you can't believe Doing things you can't believe Hey, you know that Doing things you can't believe Doing things you can't believe can't believe okay. Flash websites, women closures for weed Bowax women and you know they rupees Who's he? I don't know But he float though But he drop, I think he ride Uber But I know he ain't broke though Oh man, yeah, you know I gotta keep him talking Gotta make him wonder, leave an idiot Infrastructure plunder stunt Serving dev con badges in the summer Miss your patch, man, that's wet Probably guess it's a bummer Been on the top, dog, but haters gonna doubt me Like the under, but no other can wreck it Like me, you gotta run Take a number. What? Take a number. Okay. Take a number. Okay. Take a number. Just had a patch on the Chromebook. Oh. Is that your password? Yeah. Is it strong dog? Let me take a look. In Matt Tat, little S Big P, yo IP, so try me, please fingerprint and recon flow, color this up. Double S, no stress, get pen tested by the best. Running up checks, diminishing the best persistent threats. Could care less, ain't tryna impress the best. Weird looking best, staying in the scope so there's never a rest. But I barely get rest up, but for the sun still trailing for X. Pulling jug bands, hands on my screen. 89 period, ATR. Running through it, goes, I say I went too far. I don't play about the way. I'm to increase my pay any day, I can turn the sun into new rain. So, y'all haters, y'all can stay mundane, getting changed for mitigating risk from kill chains. In map scan, all your IP range. I'll keep you on your toes, but I still bet that you won't swing. PNC, get residual, but people need to ride. So, I stay in your base when you see me. It's time to decide should I buy a plaza or should I let it ride? I don't know, but it's mad land outside. I already could afford it, but the question is, do I want a two-in hole in the petrified forest? Keeping money flows in orbit. TV screens fall in the Uber watching orbit. Don't interrupt me when I'm recording. Smoothly belly rocking Jordans. Doing things that's way more important. Google see my name and it's always corporate. Saw the 10 cube, bought the dead, hold it, then absorb it. Yeah, map, tech, little S, big P. Double S, no stress, get pen tested by the best Running up checks, diminishing the best, persistent threats Could care less, ain't tryna impress the best Weird looking best, staying in the scope so there's never a rest But I barely get rest, up, but for the sun still trading for X 
insert microphone, put a murk, leaving haters feeling hurt. Keep the knowledge on how the damage lurk. H double T P, let's be C, traffic from one N to E N D, privilege just collision I D S. Reports on my law, repping through all the fault. Yeah, you might walk the path, but I built a jaw. Through the ports, get cloned. Latest recon ports, just put bounties for the outdoors. Checking on the time score, just dot slash to get on the tour. Caption flags, man, I gotta get more. So sanitize your input. Watch what you put in your header. Of being great by Wallace D. Wattles. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Preparation Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. If you become like God, you can read His thoughts, and if you do not, you will find the inspirational perception of truth impossible. You can never become a great man or woman until you have overcome anxiety, worry, and fear. It is impossible for an anxious man, a worried one, or a fearful one to perceive truth. All things are distorted and thrown out of their proper relations by such mental states, and those who are in them cannot read the thoughts of God. If you are poor, or if you are anxious about business or financial matters, you are recommended to study carefully the first volume of this series, The Science of Getting Rich. That will present to you a solution for your problems of this nature no matter how large or how complicated they may seem to be. There is not the least cause for worry about financial affairs. Every person who wills to do so may rise above want, have all he needs, and become rich. The same source upon which you propose to draw for mental unfolding and spiritual power is at your service for the supply of all your material wants. Study this truth until it is fixed in your thoughts and until anxiety is banished from your Enter the certain way which leads to material riches. Again, if you are anxious or worried about your health, realize it is possible for you to attain perfect health so that you may have strength sufficient for all that you wish to do and more. That intelligence that stands ready to give you wealth and mental and spiritual power will rejoice to give you health also. Perfect health is yours for the asking if you will only obey the simple laws of life and live aright. Conquer ill health and cast out fear. But it is not enough to rise above financial and physical anxiety and worry. You must rise above moral evil-doing as well. Sound your inner consciousness now for the motives that actuate you and make sure they are right. You must cast out lust and cease to be ruled by appetite, and you must begin to govern appetite. You must eat only to satisfy hunger, never for gluttonous pleasure, and in all things you must make the flesh obey the spirit. You must lay aside greed, have no unworthy motive in your desire to become rich. Part 5 of Chapter 10 of Book 1 of The Wealth of Nations This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. 
For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stephen Escalera. The Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith. Part 5 of Chapter 10 of Book 1. Of Wages and Profit in the Different Employments of Labor and Stock. Thirdly, the policy of Europe, by obstructing the free circulation of labor and stock, both from employment to employment and from place to place, occasions, in some cases, a very inconvenient inequality in the whole of the advantages and disadvantages of their different employments. The statute of apprenticeship obstructs the free circulation of labor from one employment to another, even in the same place. The exclusive privileges of corporations obstructed from one place to another, even in the same employment. It frequently happens that while high wages are given to the workmen in one manufacture, those in another are obliged to content themselves with bare subsistence. The one is in an advancing state, and has therefore a continual demand for new hands. The other is in a declining state, and the superabundance of hands is continually increasing. Those two manufacturers may sometimes be in the same town, and sometimes in the same neighborhood, without being able to lend the least assistance to one another. The statute of apprenticeship may oppose it in the one case, and both that and an exclusive corporation in the other. In many different manufactures, however, the operations are so much alike that the workmen could easily change trades with one another, if those absurd laws did not hinder them. The arts of weaving plain linen and plain silk, for example, are almost entirely the same. That of weaving plain woolen is somewhat different, but the difference is so insignificant that either a linen or a silk weaver might become a tolerable workman in a few days. If any of those three capital manufacturers, therefore, were decaying, the workman might find a resource in one of the other two which was in a more prosperous condition, and their wages would neither rise too high in the thriving, nor sink too low in the decaying manufacture. The linen manufacture, indeed, is in England by a particular statute open to everybody. But as it is not much cultivated through the greater part of the country, it can afford no general resource to the workmen of other decaying manufacturers, who, wherever the statute of apprenticeship takes place, have no other choice but thither to come upon the parish or to work as common laborers, for which, by their habits, they are much Chapter 1 of The Art of Money Getting This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jill Preston. The Art of Money Getting by P. T. Barnum. Chapter 1 Don't Mistake Your Vocation. The safest plan, and the one most sure of success for the young man starting in life, is to select the vocation which is most congenial to his tastes. Parents and guardians are often quite too negligent in regard to this. It's very common for a father to say, for example, I have five boys. I will make Billy a clergyman, John a lawyer, Tom a doctor, and Dick a farmer. He then goes into town and looks about to see what he will do with Sammy. He returns home and says, Sammy, I see watchmaking is a nice genteel business. I think I will make you a goldsmith. He does this, regardless of Sam's natural inclinations or genius. We are all, no doubt, born for a wise purpose. There is as much diversity in our brains as in our countenances. 
Some are born natural mechanics, while some have great aversion to machinery. Let a dozen boys of ten years get together, and you will soon observe two or three are whittling out some ingenious device, working with locks or complicated machinery. When they were but five years old, their father could find no toy to please them like a puzzle. They are natural mechanics, but the other eight or nine boys have different aptitudes. I belong to the latter class. I never had the slightest love for mechanism. On the contrary, I have a sort of abhorrence for complicated machinery. I never had ingenuity enough to whittle a cider tap so it would not leak. I never could make a pen that I could write with or understand the principle of a steam engine. If a man was to take such a boy as I was and attempt to make a watchmaker of him, the boy might, after an apprenticeship of five or seven years, be able to take apart and put together a watch. But all through life he would be working uphill and seizing every excuse. Introduction to the Meditations of Marcus Aurelius This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shane Greener. The Meditations of Marcus Aurelius by Marcus Aurelius Antoninus. Translated by George Long. Introduction. Marcus Arnius Verus was born in Rome in A.D. 121, and assumed the name of Marcus Aurelius Antoninus, by which he is known to history on his adoption by the Emperor T. Aurelius Antoninus. He succeeded to the imperial throne in 161, and ruled till his death in 180. His reign, though marked by justice and moderation at home, was troubled by constant warfare on the frontiers of the empire, and Aurelius spent much of his later years in the uncongenial task of commanding armies that no longer proved irresistible against the barbarian hordes. M. Aurelius was educated by the orator Fronto, but turned aside from rhetoric to study of the Stoic philosophy which he was the last distinguished representative. The meditations, which he wrote in Greek, are among the most noteworthy expressions of this system and exhibit it favorably on its practical side. His own precepts he carried out with singular consistency, and both in his public and his private life he was in the highest degree conscientious. He and his predecessor are noted as the only Roman emperors who can be said to have ruled with a single eye to the welfare of their subjects. During his reign, Rome was visited by a severe pestilence, and this, with reverses suffered by his armies, threw the populace into a panic and led them to demand the sacrifice of the Christians, whom they regarded as having brought down the anger of the gods. Aurelius seems to have shared the panic, and his record is stained by his sanction of the cruel persecution. This incident in the career of the last and one of the loftiest of the pagan moralists may be regarded as symbolic of the dying effort of heathenism to check the advancing tide of Christianity. The meditations picture with faithfulness the mind and character of this noblest of the emperors. Simple in style and sincere in tone, they record for all time the height reached by pagan aspirations in its effort to solve the problem of conduct and the essential agreement of his practice with his teaching proved that, even in a palace, life may be led well. End of introduction. Recording by Shane Greenup. ShaneGreenup.blogs This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. 
Recording by Moira Fogarty. The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Translated by Lionel Giles. Part 7. Maneuvering. Sun Tzu said, In war, the general receives his commands from the sovereign. Having collected an army and concentrated his forces, he must blend and harmonize the different elements thereof before pitching his camp. After that comes tactical maneuvering, than which there is nothing more difficult. The difficulty of tactical maneuvering consists in turning the devious into the direct, and misfortune into gain. Thus, to take a long and circuitous route, after enticing the enemy out of the way, and those starting after him, to contrive to reach the goal before him shows knowledge of the artifice of deviation. Maneuvering with an army is advantageous, with an undisciplined multitude most dangerous. If you set a fully equipped army in march in order to snatch an advantage, the chances are that you will be too late. On the other hand, to detach a flying column for the purpose involves the sacrifice of its baggage and stores. Thus, if you order your men to roll up their buff coats and make forced marches without halting day or night, covering double the usual distance at a stretch, doing a hundred li in order to rest an advantage, the leaders of all your three divisions will fall into the hands of the enemy. The stronger men will be in front, the jaded ones will fall behind, and on this plan only one-tenth of your army will reach its destination. If you march fifty li in order to outmaneuver the enemy, you will lose the leader of your first division, and only half your force will reach the goal. If you march thirty li with the same object, two-thirds of your army will arrive. We may take it then that an army without its baggage train is lost. Without provisions, it is lost. Without bases of supply, it is lost. We cannot enter into alliances until we are acquainted with the designs of our neighbors. We are not fit to lead an army on the march unless we are familiar with the face of the country, its mountains and forests, its pitfalls and precipices, its marshes and swamps. We shall be unable to turn natural advantage to account unless we may... Chapter 3 of The Art of Money Getting This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jill Preston The Art of Money Getting by P. T. Barnum Chapter 3 Avoid Debt Young men starting in life should avoid running into debt. There is scarcely anything that drags a person down like debt. It is a slavish position to get in, yet we find many a young man, hardly out of his teens, running in debt. He meets a chum and says, Look at this! I have got trusted for a new suit of clothes. He seems to look upon the clothes as so much given to him. Well, it frequently is so, but if he succeeds in pain and then gets trusted again, he is adopting a habit which will keep him in poverty through life. Debt robs a man of his self-respect and makes him almost despise himself, grunting and groaning and working for what he has eaten up or worn out. And now, when he is called upon to pay up, he has nothing to show for his money. This is properly termed working for a dead horse. 
I do not speak of merchants buying and selling on credit or of those who buy on credit in order to turn the purchase to a profit. The old Quaker said to his farmer's son, John, never get trusted, but if thee gets trusted for anything, let it be for manure, because that will help thee pay it back again. Mr. Beecher advised young men to get in debt if they could to a small amount in the purchase of land in the country districts. If a young man, he says, will only get in debt for some land and then get married, these two things will keep him straight, or nothing will. This may be safe to a limited extent, but getting in debt for what you eat and drink and wear is to be avoided. Some families have a foolish habit of getting credit at the stores and thus frequently purchase many things which might have been dispensed with. It is all very well to say, I have got trusted for 60 days, and if I don't have the money, the creditor will think nothing about it. Chapter 13 of The Science of Being Great by Wallace D. Wattles This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Thought Greatness is only attained by the constant thinking of great thoughts. No man can become great in outward personality until he is great internally. And no man can be great internally until he thinks. No amount of education, reading or study can make you great without thought. But thought can make you great with every little study. There are altogether too many people who are trying to make something of themselves by reading books without thinking. All such will fail. You are not mentally developed by what you read, but by what you think about what you read. Thinking is the hardest and most exhausting of all labor, and hence many people shrink from it. God has so formed us that we are continuously impelled to thought. We must either think or engage in some activity to escape thought. The headlong, continuous chase for pleasure in which most people spend all their leisure time is only an effort to escape thought. If they are alone, or if they have nothing amusing to take their attention, as a novel to read or a show to see, they must think. And to escape from thinking, they resort to novels, shows, and all the endless devices of the purveyors of amusement. Most people spend the greater part of their leisure time running away from thought, hence they are what they are. We never move forward until we begin to think. Read less and think more. Read about great things and think about great questions and issues. We have at the present time few really great figures in the political life of our country. Our politicians are a petty lot. There is no Lincoln, no Webster, no Clay, no Calhoun, no Jackson. Why? Because our present statesmen deal only with sordid and petty issues, questions of dollars and cents, of expediency and party success, of material prosperity without regard to ethical right. Thinking along these lines does not call forth great souls. The statesmen of Lincoln's time and previous times dealt with questions of eternal truth, of human rights and justice. Men thought upon great themes, they thought great thoughts, and they became great men. Thinking, not mere knowledge or information, makes personality. Thinking is growth. You cannot think without growing. Every thought in general. Chapter 3 of The Art of Money Getting. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, 
please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jill Preston. The Art of Money Getting by P. T. Barnum. Chapter 3 Avoid Debt. Young men starting in life should avoid running into debt. There is scarcely anything that drags a person down like debt. It is a slavish position to get in, yet we find many a young man, hardly out of his teens, running in debt. He meets a chum and says, Look at this. I have got trusted for a new suit of clothes. He seems to look upon the clothes as so much given to him. Well, it frequently is so, but if he succeeds in pain and then gets trusted again, he is adopting a habit which will keep him in poverty through life. Debt robs a man of his self-respect and makes him almost despise himself. Grunting and groaning and working for what he has eaten up or worn out, and now when he is called upon to pay up, he has nothing to show for his money. This is properly termed working for a dead horse. I do not speak of merchants buying and selling on credit or of those who buy on credit in order to turn the purchase to a profit. The old Quaker said to his farmer's son, John, never get trusted, but if thee gets trusted for anything, let it be for manure, because that will help thee pay it back again. Mr. Beecher advised young men to get in debt if they could to a small amount in the purchase of land in the country districts. If a young man, he says, will only get in debt for some land and then get married, these two things will keep him straight, or nothing will. This may be safe to a limited extent, but getting in debt for what you eat and drink and wear is to be avoided. Some families have a foolish habit of getting credit at the stores and thus frequently purchase many things which might have been dispensed with. It is all very well to say, I have got trusted for 60 days, and if I don't have the money, the creditor will think nothing about it. Chapter 16 of The Science of Being Great by Wallace D. Wattles This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Some further explanations. We go back here to the matter of the point of view, for, besides being vitally important, it is the one that is likely to give the student the most trouble. We have been trained, partly by mistaken religious teachers, to look upon the world as being like a wrecked ship, storm-driven upon a rocky coast. Utter destruction is inevitable at the end, and the most that can be done is to rescue, perhaps, a few of the crew. This view teaches us to consider the world as essentially bad and growing worse, and to believe that existing discord and inharmoniousness must continue and intensify until the end. It robs us of hope for society, government, and humanity, and gives us a decreasing outlook and contracting mind. This is all wrong. The world is not wrecked. It is like a magnificent steamer with the engines in place and the machinery in perfect order. The bunkers are full of coal, and the ship is amply provisioned for the crews. There is no lack of any good thing. Every provision omniscience could devise has been made for the safety, comfort, and happiness of the crew. The steamer is out on the high seas, tacking hither and thither, because no one has yet learned the right course to steer. We are learning to steer, and in due time will come grandly into the harbor of perfect harmony. The world is good and growing better. 
existing discords and inharmoniousness are but the pitching of the ship incidental to our own imperfect steering. They will all be removed in due time. This view gives us an increasing outlook and an expanding mind. It enables us to think largely of society and of ourselves, and to do things in a great way. Furthermore, we see that nothing can be wrong with such a world or with any part of it, including our own affairs. If it is all moving on toward completion, then it is not going wrong. And as our own personal affairs are a part of the whole, they are not going wrong. You and all that you are concerned with are moving on toward completeness. Nothing can check this forward movement but yourself, and you can only check it by assuming a mental attitude that is at cross-purposes with the mind of God. You have nothing to keep right but yourself. If you keep yourself right, nothing can possibly go wrong with you, and you can have nothing to fear. No Yo. Yo. Let's go on the rise, let me consult for a fee Every time you see the logo, it's on the billboard Notice me, now, look at you, how you say I'm doing wrong, smoothly, making, moving songs Doing what I gotta do, oh, oh, yo Just cause I wouldn't work with you, you might have a little attitude Could care less if you think I'm rude Haters can't walk up in my shoes You salty dog, stop dropping clues I've been a man, how you let someone else's story mess up your plan Smoothly, been a man, who is him, on them Grabbing automated business plans, off the top Being ready, drop a foul, split tack L Need advice from me, then it's time to pay the fee If you need advice from me, then it's time to pay the fee It's time to pay the fee, time to, time to pay the fee Time to pay the fee, uh. Time to pay the fee, it's just time to pay the fee, yeah. Time to pay the fee, hey, hey, time to pay the fee, hey, hey, time to pay the fee, hey, hey, time to pay the fee, hey, time to pay the fee, it's just time to pay the fee, it's just time to pay the fee, time to time to pay the fee. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Moira Fogarty. The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Translated by Lionel Giles. Part 12. The Attack by Fire. Sun Tzu said, There are five ways of attacking with fire. The first is to burn soldiers in their camp. The second is to burn stores. The third is to burn baggage trains. The fourth is to burn arsenals and magazines. The fifth is to hurl dropping fire amongst the enemy. In order to carry out an attack, we must have means available. The material for raising fire should always be kept in readiness. There is a proper season for making attacks with fire, and special days for starting a conflagration. The proper season is when the weather is very dry. The special days are those when the moon is in the constellations of the sieve, the wall, the wing, or the crossbar, for these four are all days of rising wind. In attacking with fire, one should be prepared to meet five possible developments. 1. When fire breaks out inside to enemy's camp, respond at once with an attack from without. Two. If there is an outbreak of fire, but the enemy's soldiers remain quiet, bide your time and do not attack. 3. When the force of the flames has reached its height, follow it up with an attack, if that is practical. 
If not, stay where you are. 4. If it is possible to make an assault with fire from without, do not wait for it to break out within, but deliver your attack at a favorable moment. 5. When you start a fire, be to windward of it. Do not attack from the leeward. A wind that rises in the daytime lasts long, but a night breeze soon falls. In every army, the five developments connected with fire must be known, the movements of the stars calculated, and a watch kept for the proper days. Hence, those who use fire as an aid to the attack show intelligence. Those who use water as an aid to the attack gain an accession of strength. By means of water, an enemy may be intercepted, but not robbed of all his belongings. Part 1, Chapter 5 of the Kama Sutra this LibriVox recording is in the public domain, and is read by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. The Kama Sutra of Vatsyayana By Vatsyayana Part 1, Chapter 5 About the kinds of women resorted to by the citizens, and of friends and messengers. When Kama is practiced by men of the four castes, according to the rules of the Holy Writ, that is, by lawful marriage, with virgins of their own caste, it then becomes a mean of acquiring lawful progeny and good fame, and it is not also opposed to the customs of the world. On the contrary, the practice of Kama with women of the higher castes, and with those previously enjoyed by others, even though they be of the same caste, is prohibited. But the practice of Kama with women of the lower castes, with women excommunicated from their own caste, with public women, and with women twice married, is neither enjoined nor prohibited. The object of practicing Kama with such women is pleasure only. Footnote. This term does not apply to a widow, but to a woman who had probably left her husband, and is living with some other person as a married woman, maritalement, as they say in France. And a footnote. Naikas, therefore, are of three kinds maids, women twice married, and public women. Footnote. Any woman fit to be enjoyed without sin. The object of the enjoyment of women is twofold, that is, pleasure and progeny. Any woman who can be enjoyed without sin for the purposes of accomplishing either the one or the other of these two objects is a naika. The fourth kind of naika, which Vetsya admits further on, is neither enjoyed for pleasure or for progeny, but merely for accomplishing some special purpose in hand. The word naika is retained as a technical term throughout. And a footnote. Gona Kaputra has expressed an opinion that there is a fourth kind of naika, that is, a woman who is resorted to on some special occasion, even though she be previously married to another. These special occasions are when a man thinks thus. A. This woman is self-willed, and has been previously enjoyed by many others besides... Will fix pump additive is on my Tim's Coconut oil strain with the ship I'm removed a chance of the stems Hit the corner might bend the rim Oh man, be 
vehicles is what I can't stand. Rather be dripping or at least a sprinter van. Executing plans and I'm never popping zans. Might melt down this can to plate white gold through your brush plates. Haters don't understand, not in the slightest or paint. Wait, no need to even continue. Find a deal on these with the Linux. And I be in it always to win it. My account is split it thin, Vimic cloud processors with few limits. Delivery dropped at the door, but the robot blow might go. Who is it? Torn fabric, still might rip it. CPU crypto with the computer pimping. Never slipping, pay attention. You didn't listen, cause there's nothing I forgot to mention. Oh, okay, okay. Check the M2 money supply. 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 What's the standard deviation from the cop report? What's the standard deviation from the cop report? What's the standard deviation from the cop report? Get the standard deviation from the cop report. 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 Get the standard deviation. Get the standard deviation. Get the standard deviation. Gotta stay up in cash. Forex tripping, gotta stay up in cash. I got the Forex tripping, gotta stay up in cash. The car reporter in the peak assistance point is on my screen. Why he making stuff about? Don't know, maybe it's Maybelline. I wouldn't trade my team, but I dismantle yours. Smoothly, so fly, dog. I'm a sore vertical farm grass from the counties. That's poor. Oh, I gotta get more. Need a beast, send them door to door. Shoot 100 times, cause I'm down to score. So I stay up in the game, so I'm just gonna shoot some more. I cannot go away, even though it's not a really smart time to trade. Once I get the Credit lines on in the previous feeling that I mentioned must be way And you don't even really know how to participate You just be out for on the sidelines and acting lame I stacking game, break the flow, keeping black and green on the PL Spin up three hours before the bill Time and payments for the paydex Never been up in a cell I'm sipping on propel that I design all myself I see the stuff that I made and it's growing on the play market shelf I'm for the wealth deviation from the cop report What's the standard deviation from the cop report? What's the standard deviation from the cop report? Get the standard deviation from the cop report. 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 Get the standard deviation. Get the standard deviation. What? Get the standard deviation. Get the standard deviation. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. 
Recording by Moira Fogarty. The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Translated by Lionel Giles. Part 7. Maneuvering. Sun Tzu said, In war, the general receives his commands from the sovereign. Having collected an army and concentrated his forces, he must blend and harmonize the different elements thereof before pitching his camp. After that comes tactical maneuvering, than which there is nothing more difficult. The difficulty of tactical maneuvering consists in turning the devious into the direct, and misfortune into gain. Thus, to take a long and circuitous route, after enticing the enemy out of the way, and those starting after him, to contrive to reach the goal before him, shows knowledge of the artifice of deviation. Maneuvering with an army is advantageous, with an undisciplined multitude most dangerous. If you set a fully equipped army in march in order to snatch an advantage, the chances are that you will be too late. On the other hand, to detach a flying column for the purpose involves the sacrifice of its baggage and stores. Thus, if you order your men to roll up their buff coats and make forced marches without halting day or night, covering double the usual distance at a stretch, doing a hundred li in order to rest an advantage, the leaders of all your three divisions will fall into the hands of the enemy. The stronger men will be in front, the jaded ones will fall behind, and on this plan only one-tenth of your army will reach its destination. If you march fifty li in order to outmaneuver the enemy, you will lose the leader of your first division, and only half your force will reach the goal. If you march thirty li with the same object, two-thirds of your army will arrive. We may take it then that an army without its baggage train is lost. Without provisions, it is lost. Without bases of supply, it is lost. We cannot enter into alliances until we are acquainted with the designs of our neighbors. We are not fit to lead an army on the march unless we are familiar with the face of the country, its mountains and forests, its pitfalls and precipices, its marshes and swamps. We shall be unable to turn natural advantage to account unless we may... Chapter 17 of The Science of Being Great by Wallace D. Wattles This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. More about thought Give place here to some further consideration of thought. You will never become great until your own thoughts make you great, and therefore it is of the first importance that you should think. You will never do great things in the external world until you think great things in the internal world. And you will never think great things until you think about truth, about the verities. To think great things, you must be absolutely sincere. And to be sincere, you must know that your intentions are right. Insincere or false thinking is never great, however logical and brilliant it may be. The first and most important step to seek the truth about human relations, to know what you ought to be to other men, and what they ought to be to you. This brings you back to the search of a right viewpoint. You should study organic and social evolution. Read Darwin and Walter Thomas Mills, and when you read, think. Think the whole matter over until you see the world of things and men in the right way. Think about what God is doing until you see what He is doing. Your next step is to think yourself into the right personal attitude. Your viewpoint tells you what the right attitude is, and obedience to the soul puts you into it. 
It is only by making a complete consecration of yourself to the highest that is within you that you can attain to sincere thinking. So long as you know you are selfish in your aims, or dishonest or crooked in any way in your intentions or practices, your thinking will be false, and your thoughts will have no power. Think about the way you are doing things, about all your intentions, purposes and practices, until you know that they are right. The fact of his own complete unity with God is one that no person can grasp without deep and sustained thinking. Anyone can accept the proposition in a superficial way, but to feel and realize a vital comprehension of it is another matter. It is easy to think of going outside of yourself to meet God, but it is not easy to think of going inside yourself to meet God. But God is there, and in the Holy of Holies of your own soul, you may meet Him face to face. It is a tremendous thing, this fact that all you need is already within you that you do not have to consider how to get the power to do what you want to do or to make chapter four of the science of being great by wallace d wattles this librivox recording is in the public domain the mind of god there is a cosmic intelligence that is in all things and through all things this is the one real substance from it all things proceed it is intelligent substance or mind stuff it is god where there is no substance, there can be no intelligence, for where there is no substance, there is nothing. Where there is thought, there must be a substance which thinks. Thought cannot be a function, for function is motion, and it is unconceivable that mere motion should think. Thought cannot be vibration, for vibration is motion, and that motion should be intelligent is not thinkable. Motion is nothing but the moving of substance, if there be intelligence shown, it must be in the substance and not in the motion. Thought cannot be the result of motions in the brain. If thought is in the brain, it must be in the brain's substance and not in the motions which brain substance makes. But thought is not in the brain substance, for brain substance, without life, is quite unintelligent and dead. Thought is in the life principle that animates the brain, in the spirit substance, which is the real man. The brain does not think. The man thinks and expresses his thought through the brain. There is a spirit substance that thinks. Just as the spirit substance of man permeates his body and thinks and knows in the body, so the original spirit substance, God, permeates all nature and thinks and knows in nature. Nature is as intelligent as man and knows more than man. Nature knows all things. The all-mind has been in touch with all things from the beginning, and it contains all knowledge. Man's experience covers a few things, and these things man knows. But God's experience covers all the things that have happened since the creation, from the wreck of a planet or the passing of a comet to the fall of a sparrow. All that is and all that has been are present in the intelligence that is wrapped about us, and enfolds us and presses upon us from every side. All the encyclopedias man have written are but trivial affairs compared to the vast knowledge held by the mind in which man live, move, and have their being. The truth man perceive by inspiration are thoughts held in this mind. If they Chapter five of the Science of Being Great by Wallace D. Wattles. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Preparation Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. If you 
like God, you can read his thoughts. And if you do not, you will find the inspirational perception of truth impossible. You can never become a great man or woman until you have overcome anxiety, worry, and fear. It is impossible for an anxious man, a worried one, or a fearful one to perceive the truth. All things are distorted and thrown out of their proper relations by such mental states, and those who are in them cannot read the thoughts of God. If you are poor, or if you are anxious about business and financial matters, you are recommended to study carefully the first volume of this series, The Science of Getting Rich. That will present to you a solution for your problems of this nature. No matter how large or how complicated they may seem to be, there is not the least cause for worry about financial affairs. Every person who wishes to do so may rise from the want, have only means, and become rich. The same source upon which you propose to draw for mental upholding and spiritual power is at your service for the supply of all your material wants. Study this truth until it is fixed in your thoughts and until anxiety is banished from your mind. Enter the certain way which leads to material riches. Again, if you are anxious or worried about your health, realize it is possible for you to attain perfect health so that you may have strength sufficient for all that you wish to do. above financial and physical anxiety and worry. You must rise above moral evil doing as well. Sound your inner consciousness now for the motives that actuate you and make sure they are right. You must cast out lust and cease to be ruled by appetite and you must begin to govern appetite. You must eat only to satisfy hunger, never for gluttonous pleasure. And in all things you must make the flesh obey the spirit. You must lay aside greed have no unworthy motive in your desire to become rich. The Meditations of Marcus Aurelius by Marcus Aurelius Antoninus Translated by George Long This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Section 10 Wilt thou then, my soul, never be good and simple, and one and naked, more manifest than the body which surrounds thee? Wilt thou never enjoy an affectionate and contented disposition? Wilt thou never be full and without a want of any kind, longing for nothing more nor desiring anything, either animate or inanimate, for the enjoyment of pleasures, nor yet desiring time wherein thou shalt have longer enjoyment or place, or pleasant climate, or society of men with whom thou mayest live in harmony? But wilt thou be satisfied with thy present condition, and pleased with all that is about thee? And wilt thou convince thyself that thou hast everything, and that it comes from the gods, that everything is well for thee, and will be well whatever shall please them, and whatever they shall give for the conservation of perfect living being, the good and just and beautiful, which generates and holds together all things, and contains and embraces all things which are dissolved for the production of other like things? Wilt thou never be such that thou shalt so dwell in community with gods and men as neither to find fault with them at all, nor to be condemned by them? 2. Observe what thy nature requires, 
so far as thou art governed by nature only. Then do it and accept it. If thy nature, so far as thou art a living being, shall not be made worse by it. And next thou must observe what thy nature requires, so far as thou art a living being. And all this thou mayest allow thyself, if thy nature, so far as thou art a rational animal, shall not be made worse by it. But the rational animal is consequently also a political animal. Use these rules then, and trouble thyself about nothing else. 3. Everything which happens, either happens in such wise as thou art formed by nature to bear it, or as thou art not formed by nature to bear it. If then it happens to thee in such a way as thou art formed by nature to bear it, do not complain, but bear it as thou art formed by nature to bear it. But if it happens... The Blue Journal. I got 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 the food journal, I got the food journal, I got the food journal, baby, got the food journal, I got the food journal, baby, got the food journal, I got the food journal, baby, got the food journal, I got the food journal, baby, got the food journal, I got the food journal, I'm just trying to explain how I feel, we be on the mission, put a meal, swimming through the money like we got fish, but stay fresh, working on skills, mind on, let's get it, then let's go bash, heart is never on my sleeve, I'm a cold steel, spitting exquisite, even doubt is gonna feel, so pay attention, they be slipping, like this Step on banana peels, uh, and uh, you know the drill. I'm from Ben Hill. What? Yeah, the street right by the park. Uh, Come a long way when I stay by Clark. You think you gonna start, but I did make you finish. Uh, Look at my flow, bro. Can't you tell that okay. we win? I'm still feeling like hey, I that? should do more granted. Hey, and I'm on the that? age where it's hey, time for that? me to make a pension. Oh my goodness, with so much precision, I just be going Ben Hill. And you know my eyes white like it's snowing, and I'm chain plated golden. That's just how I do it. More yo yeah. yeah. and SBO yeah. that yeah. be frozen yeah. always cold. Steady rapping for the foe How to diss some gas All up on the stove Hit a hater in the nose I suppose I'ma grow I'ma glow like this Smoothly Might spray nice kicks I be freestyling Sip trunk and read Down the Yo, Cost double low 17 for the set Smoothly Going in Make it know Try me 52 crossbone Leave you with that Suicide Mr. Truth Fly FF Impact Tag I Doing KML Sprints on the fly Scrum swagging Pippin computers A dub S Smoothly Barely ever any stress With the purr Smoothly Tell me what it's worth I'm a jerk Coming around on the beat Go berserk Freestyling all the time Every time when I go okay. It's been here From okay. the F.O. Okay. You are See me in a new car I'm in another level Far from where you are That's how I gotta do it Smoothly So fluid Pressing fluid Back it poppy here Through the music Oh my goodness Just like Nugget I'ma do it 16 bit recording 11.25pm Ice blowing Play the chain That I made Self do DIY dog Oh my goodness See him shine Yeah make it blind Make it make it rip your ideas Him just the guy From the SWATs I got a food jump. I got a food jump. Okay. I got a food jump. And you know that. I got the food jump. And you know that. I got the food jump. And you know that. I got the food jump. And you know that. I got the food jump. And you know that. I got the food jump. And you know that. I got the food jump. And you know that. I got the food jump. I got the food jump. I got the food jump. Baby got the food jump. I got the food jump. Baby got the food jump. I got the food jump. Baby got the I got the blue journal, baby, got the blue journal, uh, uh, blue journal. I got the blue journal, yeah. I got the blue journal, okay. I got the blue journal, the blue journal, uh, that's a blue journal. F triple O.
7 of Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 2 by Niccolo Machiavelli. Translated by Ninian Hill Thompson. Chapter 7 Of the quantity of land assigned by the Romans to each colonist. It would, I think, be difficult to fix with certainty how much land the Romans allotted to each colonist, for my belief is that they gave more or less according to the character of the country to which they sent them. We may, however, be sure that in every instance, and to whatever country they were sent, the quantity of land assigned was not very large. First, because these colonists being sent to guard the newly acquired country, by giving little land, it became possible to send more men. And second, because, as the Romans lived frugally at home, it is unreasonable to suppose that they should wish their countrymen to be too well off abroad. And Titus Livius tells us that on the capture of Veii, the Romans sent thither a colony, allotting to each colonist three jugera and seven unciae of land, which, according to our measurement, would be something under two acres. Besides the above reasons, the Romans may likely enough have thought that it was not so much the quantity of the land allotted as its careful cultivation that would make it suffice. It is very necessary, however, that every colony should have common pasturage where all may send their cattle to graze, as well as woods where they may cut fuel, for without such conveniences no colony can maintain itself. End of chapter 7 Chapter 5 of The Science of Being Great by Wallace D. Wattles this LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Preparation Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. If you become like God, you can read His thoughts. And if you do not, you will find the inspiration or perception of truth impossible. You can never become a great man or woman until you have overcome anxiety, worry, and fear. It is impossible for an anxious man, a worried one, or a fearful one perceive the truth. All things are distorted and thrown out of their proper relations by such mental states, and those who are in them cannot read the thoughts of God. If you are poor, or if you are anxious about business or financial matters, you are recommended to study carefully the first volume of this series, The Science of Getting Rich. That will present to you a solution for your problems of this nature, no matter how large or how complicated they may seem to be.
rise above financial and physical anxiety and worry. You must rise above moral evil doing as well. Sound your inner consciousness now for the motives that actuate you and make sure they are right. You must cast out lust and cease to be ruled by appetite and you must begin to govern appetite. You must eat only to satisfy hunger, never for gluttonous pleasure. And in all things you must make the flesh obey the spirit. You must lay aside greed. Have no unworthy motive in your desire to become rich. Chapter 1 of The Art of Money Getting This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jill Preston The Art of Money Getting by P. T. Barnum Chapter 1 Don't Mistake Your Vocation The safest plan, and the one most sure of success for the young man starting in life, is to select the vocation which is most congenial to his tastes. Parents and guardians are often quite too negligent in regard to this. It's very common for a father to say, for example, I have five boys. I will make Billy a clergyman, John a lawyer, Tom a doctor, and Dick a farmer. He then goes into town and looks about to see what he will do with Sammy. He returns home and says, Sammy, I see watchmaking is a nice genteel business. I think I will make you a goldsmith. He does this, regardless of Sam's natural inclinations or genius. We are all, no doubt, born for a wise purpose there is as much diversity in our brains as in our countenances some are born natural mechanics while some have great aversion to machinery let a dozen boys of ten years get together and you will soon observe two or three are whittling out some ingenious device working with locks or complicated machinery when they were but five years old their father could find no toy to please them like a puzzle they are natural mechanics but the other eight or nine boys have different aptitudes I belong to the latter class I never had the slightest love for mechanism on the contrary I have a sort of abhorrence for complicated machinery I never had ingenuity enough to whittle a cider tap so it would not leak I never could make a pen that I could write with or understand the principle of a steam engine if a man was to take such a boy as I was and attempt to make a watchmaker of him the boy might after an apprenticeship of five or seven years be able to take apart and put together a watch but all through life he would be working uphill and seizing every chapter five of the science of being great by Wallace D. Wattles this LibriVox recording is in the public domain preparation draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you if you become like God you can read his thoughts and if you do not you will find the inspirational perception of truth impossible you can never become a great man or woman until you have overcome anxiety worry and fear it is impossible for an anxious man a worried one or a fearful one to perceive truth all things are distorted and thrown out of their proper relations by such mental states, and those who are in them cannot read the thoughts of God. If you are poor, 
or if you are anxious about business or financial matters, you are recommended to study carefully the first volume of this series, The Science of Getting Rich. That will present to you a solution for your problems of this nature, no matter how large or how complicated they may seem to be. There is not the least cause for worry about financial affairs. Every person who wills to do so may rise above want, have all he needs, and become rich. The same source upon which you propose to draw for mental unfolding and spiritual power is at your service for the supply of all your material wants. Study this truth until it is fixed in your thoughts and until anxiety is banished from your mind. Enter the certain way which leads to material riches. Again, if you are anxious or worried about your health, realize it is possible for you to attain perfect health so that you may have strength sufficient for all that you wish to do and more. That intelligence that stands ready to give you wealth and mental and spiritual power will rejoice to give you health also. Perfect health is yours for the asking, if you will only obey the simple laws of life and live aright. Conquer ill health and cast out fear. But it is not enough to rise above financial and physical anxiety and worry. You must rise above moral evil-doing as well. Sound your inner consciousness now for the motives that actuate you and make sure they are right. You must cast out lust and cease to be ruled by appetite, and you must begin to govern appetite. You must eat only to satisfy hunger, never for gluttonous pleasure, and in all things you must make the flesh obey the spirit. You must lay aside greed, have no unworthy motive in your desire to become rich. Introduction and Part 1, Chapter 1 of The Kama Sutra of Vatsyayana by Vatsyayana This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. The Kama Sutra of Vatsyayana Translated from the Sanskrit in seven parts with preface, introduction, and concluding remarks. By Vatsyayana. Translated by Richard Burton, Bhagavanlao Indrajit, and Shivaram Parashuram Bide. Note to the listener. As I am a native English speaker, I am going to attempt to pronounce the Indian names sprinkled throughout this text in a manner consistent with the normal English pronunciations of such combinations of letters. To people who actually know how such Indian names ought to be pronounced, I am sure I'm going to wound their sensibilities, and so I offer my apologies in advance. Introduction It may be interesting to some persons to learn how it came about that Vatsyayana was first brought to light and translated into the English language. It happened thus. While translating with the pundits the Anunga Runga, or the Stage of Love, reference was frequently found to be made to one Vatsya. The sage Vatsya was of this opinion or of that opinion. The sage Vatsya said this, and so on. Naturally, questions were asked who the sage was, and the pundits replied that Vatsya was the author of the standard work on love in Sanskrit literature, that no Sanskrit library was complete without his work and that it was most difficult now to obtain in its entire state. The copy of the manuscript obtained in Bombay was defective, and 
so the pundits wrote to Benares, Calcutta, and Jaipur for copies of the manuscript from Sanskrit libraries in those places. Copies having been obtained, they were then compared with each other, and with the aid of a commentary called Jaya Mangla, a revised copy of the entire manuscript was prepared, and from this copy the English translation was made. The following is the certificate of the chief pundit. The accompanying manuscript is corrected by me after comparing four different copies of the work. I Man, I hate when I gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate when I gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate when I gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate when I gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate when I gotta build a credit line. Three kick bucket, make it fast and go trust it. Anybody try to go play, go get busted. Rather converse over real subjects. Used to dream eating margarita wings in front of publics. Oh. Yo, go so low so I get that fast, but still gotta build my team so that I can stay. Gotta wake up and I do it every day. Make a to-do list, print out with the cron. Whipping up great poupon six hours after dawn. 20k unit for bricks, trade on, keeping more green than the lawn. I can rent a drop top anytime I want at leisure. Turn a raspberry pie into a movie theater. You don't like me, I don't like it either. Either striking markers when they lukewarm or keep it hot, kinda like it's a new heater. Making tixtures into liters, mixing up new tropics and some beakers. Where's the sounds coming from your speakers? Man, I hate waiting, gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate waiting, gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate waiting, gotta build a credit line. Three kick bucket, make it fast and go trust it. Anybody try to go play, go get busted. Rather converse over real subjects. Used to dream eating margarita wings in front of publics. Oh. Part 3 of Chapter 11 of Book 1 of The Wealth of Nations. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stephen Escalera. The Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith. Part 3 of Chapter 11 of Book 1 of The Rent of Land. Digression concerning the variations in the value of silver during the course of the four last centuries. First period. In 1350, and for some time before, the average price of the quarter of wheat in England seems not to have been estimated lower than four ounces of silver, tower weight, equal to about twenty shillings of our present money. From this price it seems to have fallen gradually to two ounces of silver equal to about 10 shillings of our present money, the price at which we find it estimated in the beginning of the 16th century, and at which it seems to have continued to be estimated till about 1570. In 1350, being the 25th of Edward III, was enacted what is called the Statute of Laborers. In the preamble, it complains much of the insolence of servants who endeavored to raise their wages upon their masters. It therefore ordains that all servants and laborers should, for the future, be contented with the same wages and liveries. Liveries in those times signified not only clothes, but provisions, which they had been accustomed to receive in the twentieth year of the king and the four preceding years. That, upon this account, their livery wheat should nowhere be estimated higher than ten pence a bushel, and that it should always be in the option of the master to deliver them either the wheat or the money. Ten pence 
since a bushel therefore had in the twenty-fifth of edward the third been reckoned to a very moderate price of wheat since it required a particular statute to oblige servants to accept of it in exchange for their usual livery of provisions and it had been reckoned a reasonable price ten years before that or in the sixteenth year of the king the term to which the statute refers but in the sixteenth year of edward the third tenpence contained about half an ounce of silver tower weight and was nearly equal to half a crown of our present money four ounces of silver tower weight therefore equal to six shillings and eightpence of the money of those times and to near twenty shillings of that of the present must have been reckoned a moderate price for the quarter of eight bushels this statute is surely a better evidence of what was reckoned in those times a moderate price of grain chapter three of the art of money getting this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by jill preston the art of money getting by p t barnum chapter 3 avoid debt Young men starting in life should avoid running into debt. There is scarcely anything that drags a person down like debt. It is a slavish position to get in, yet we find many a young man, hardly out of his teens, running in debt. He meets a chum and says, Look at this. I have got trusted for a new suit of clothes. He seems to look upon the clothes as so much given to him. Well, it frequently is so, but if he succeeds in pain and then gets trusted again, he is adopting a habit which will keep him in poverty through life. Debt robs a man of his self-respect and makes him almost despise himself, grunting and groaning and working for what he has eaten up or worn out, and now when he is called upon to pay up, he has nothing to show for his money. This is properly termed working for a dead horse. I do not speak of merchants buying and selling on credit or of those who buy on credit in order to turn the purchase to a profit. The old Quaker said to his farmer's son, John, never get trusted, but if thee gets trusted for anything, let it be for manure, because that will help thee pay it back again. Mr. Beecher advised young men to get in debt if they could to a small amount in the purchase of land in the country districts. If a young man, he says, will only get in debt for some land and then get married, these two things will keep him straight, or nothing will. This may be safe to a limited extent, but getting in debt for what you eat and drink and wear is to be avoided. Some families have a foolish habit of getting credit at the stores and thus frequently purchase many things which might have been dispensed with. It is all very well to say, I have got trusted for 60 days, and if I don't have the money, the creditor will think nothing about it. I advise you to do the same. 
If on the sport, your protection. Pull up, pull up. Buying land and revocable trust. On a making money mission, taking massive action. Ooh, tropic tincture reducing all of distractions. Spinning and operator system up exquisite fashion. Making compound transactions. Could care less if a naysayer reacts. Oh, chilling, relaxing, scrum, sprint, swag on boot, one, two, keyboard, fashion. Never lacking SSH back in via Docker containers on my CLI. Doing hard pipe through the XR, smoothly designing, play the jewelry through a contact lens, put less on the end. Cause the women through the space bar, cold a Q1 liners on the okay. FC increase my trade line, now I ride. Themers whenever Ninja server drives. Then the personal okay. assistant, CPU pimping, get computers to bring me what I need, how I do it, dog. I read 24 7, 360 degrees. recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Moira Fogarty. The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Translated by Lionel Giles. Part 5. Energy. Sun Tzu said, the control of a large force is the same principle as the control of a few men. It is merely a question of dividing up their numbers. Fighting with a large army under your command is no wise different from fighting with a small one. It is merely a question of instituting signs and signals. To ensure that your whole host may withstand the brunt of the enemy's attack and remain unshaken, this is effected by maneuvers direct and indirect. That the impact of your army may be like a grindstone dashed against an egg, this is effected by the science of weak points and strong. In all fighting, the direct method may be used for joining battle, but indirect methods will be needed in order to secure victory. Indirect tactics, efficiently applied, are inexhaustible as heaven and earth, unending as the flow of rivers and streams. Like the sun and moon, they end but to begin anew. Like the four seasons, they pass away to return once more. There are not more than five musical notes, yet the combinations of these five give rise to more melodies than can ever be heard. There are not more than five primary colors, blue, yellow, red, white, and black, yet in combination they produce more hues than can ever be seen. There are not more than five cardinal tastes, sour, acrid, salt, sweet, bitter, yet combinations of them yield more flavors than can ever be tasted. In battle, there are not more than two methods of attack, the direct and the indirect, yet these two in combination give rise to an endless series of maneuvers. The direct and the indirect lead on to each other in turn. It is like moving in a circle. You never come to an end. Who can exhaust the possibilities of their combination? The onset of troops is like the rush of a torrent which will even roll stones along in its course. 
The quality of decision is like the well-timed swoop of a falcon, which enables it to strike and destroy its victim. Therefore, the good fighter will be terrible in his onset, and prompt in his decision. Energy may be likened to the bending of a crossbow, decision to the releasing.